This is Psalms to God, Season 2, Episode 13. What is the Bible? You can find the show notes for this episode at www.psalmstogod.com. Whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk? Those just drawn from the breasts? For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Isaiah chapter 28, verses 9 and 10, New King James Version. Welcome back to the Psalms to God podcast. This is your host, Ree. And today we're talking about the Bible, like the Bible itself, not the words inside it. It's so weird to me that you can spend your whole life involved in a church and never talk about the Bible, how it came to be, how we decided what books go in it, what language was it written in, why do we call it the Bible? Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. Let's start with the Bible, right? Why do we call it the Bible? The Bible actually means the book. The word Bible is from the Greek word biblios, which means book. And the word biblios is actually from a city that was on the coast of Lebanon, what's now called Lebanon, And that city was a producer of papyrus. That papyrus was exported to the Greeks. And the Greeks came to associate that city with papyrus, which is associated with scrolls and books. And so the word biblios became synonymous with books. And that's how we got the word Bible. It has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with our faith. It's basically us speaking Greek, which is interesting. Um, I thought that it would have some sort of spiritual meaning my whole life. And then when I really actually stopped and looked at it, I was like, oh, okay. And what's more interesting is the Bible is not a book. It is multiple books by multiple authors over many, many, many years inspired by one Holy Spirit. And that is a key and crucial part because it's amazing that these writings come together the way that they do. When we talk about the Bible, we often refer refer to it as though it's one reference, but it's not. It's multiple references. It's multiple people testifying to the one God. It's not a singular reference of God. And that's important to remember. So let's look at it in sections, okay? There's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. If you start with the Old Testament, the Old Testament is based on the Israelite scriptures or the Hebrew scriptures. 
those were often referred to as the tanka. And that is even further subdivided into three categories, which is how the tanka actually gets its name. It's divided into the Torah, which are the law written by Moses, and the Nevi'im, I think I'm pronouncing that right, which are the prophets, and then the Ketavim, which is the writings that includes the dramas, the poetry, things like that. And that's what made up the Hebrew canon. Then you have the New Testament, which was written primarily in Greek, also some Aramaic, and that is what is basically the foundation of Christianity. Simple, right? Well, not exactly, because then there are these other books, the deuterocanical books or the Apocrypha. They're not included in the Protestant Bible. Some of those books are included in the Catholic Bible. There's a couple of other books that are included in the Eastern Orthodox Bible. And then there are other books that are not included anywhere. Yeah, that just got a little bit more confusing. So what are the deuterocanical books? Basically, there are some books that were written, particularly when you're talking about the Old Testament, there are some books that were written even during the time of the Jews and the time of the Israelites. However, they weren't considered part of the canon. And then you have other books that we don't really know when they were written and if they were written during that time or more recently. And so there's just a lot of um, questioning about some books are in question about the authenticity of the book itself. Others are just in question of whether they were inspired by the Holy Spirit or not. And so you see kind of a variety of opinions if you look online, if you dig into it. And of course, I would always suggest that you use the Holy Spirit as your guide as to what books are, you know, worthy of being read and which ones are not, which ones are inspired by the Holy Spirit, which ones are not. One of the ways that the canon was supposed to be formed is by using um, the Holy Spirit, one, um, but also by using that which we know is scripture to identify other scriptures. So for instance, Christ quotes and references the Old Testament. And so as he quotes these things, he brings validity to them. Because if we believe him, we believe them, right? If you believed Moses, you would believe him. It's kind of a a dual thing, right? By seeing that he lines up with the words that Moses gave, we see, okay, this, this person does meet the criteria. This writing meets the criteria God has not changed, that's how this comes in. So once you start seeing contradictions, that's when you're like, okay, this is not inspired by the Holy Spirit because it's not accurate. And that's kind of most of what I've seen of the nitpicks of some of the deuterocanical books that are not included in the Protestant Bible. Um, But then, of course, you have other books that are not even really deeply discussed um, that are... I'm not even sure if they're considered deuterocanical or if they're considered apocryphal. Um, 
not 100% sure the difference between those two words. I did try to look it up before this episode, but I didn't get a great idea. Um, from my understanding, there are books that are um, accepted by some group, but then there are books that are not accepted by any mainstream Christian organization. And I say that loosely because, let's be honest, the mainstream is usually not right. So um, take that with a grain of salt. But essentially, my point is that there are lots and lots of writings about the Israelites, about Christ, about you know what happened, what was going to happen, what is happening. And we don't read them all. We read that which was decided in a council um, by men that was established. And I think that that is important to recognize. Some of these books probably are not inspired by the Holy Spirit, the ones that were left out. Some of them may be. Um, like I said, you have to pray and let the Holy Spirit guide you. But at the end of the day, I think it's important to know that those books exist. I think it's important to go out and look at them and to read them because even in the case that they are not inspired by the Holy Spirit, the newspaper wasn't inspired by the Holy Spirit either. However, there is useful information there. There's information that helps me understand the world I live in, the times that I live in. We can get context and additional information from those books as well. And a lot of times people don't talk about it because if you open the can of worms of explaining that the canon that we read today was created by a council of men, then you also have to go into the other things that were created at that council. You have to go into a lot of church history that I think some people just don't know and other people don't want to talk about because... It starts pointing out a lot of the flaws in the organization of Christianity as opposed to what is biblical about Christianity. And those are some of the things that I want to talk about this season. And that's why we're doing this episode on how we got our modern Bible, because it's very, very important. Now, after we get through determining which books we're going to read and uh, which books we're going to consider, you know, Holy Spirit inspired, which ones are just good to know, et cetera, et cetera. There's also the makeup of the books. So certain books, for instance, the book of Esther is extended in the deuterocanical world. There is, you know, extra information that could be gleaned. Um, and then books like First and Second Samuel that's actually just Samuel in the original Hebrew scriptures. It wasn't broken up into two books. But that's, those are the only changes that our Bible went through. They also added the chapters and the verses. The original text didn't have that. It was written like a normal book. And then someone decided that that would make it easier to reference, easier to study. So in... 1227, a man named Stephen Langton created the modern chapters that we see. Now, chapters or subsections, 
had come about way before then. We had um, Jerome doing some things with passages in the fifth century. So, you know, it, it was always kind of on the periphery, but what we see today came in about 1200. And then um, a man named Salman bin Ishmael transferred Stephen Langton's work from the Latin into the Hebrew in the 14th century. So that's how we got the chapters. But then uh, the verses were also in the development phase as well. So they it started in the Old Testament fairly early, and then the Ben Asher family made that kind of a standard practice around 1900. And then a man named Robert Stevens uh, carried that over into the New Testament in 1551. So the first Bible that actually had the modern chapters that we see today and the verses that we have today didn't exist until 1555, which is also interesting. Um, you know, a part of me says, you know, if God wanted us to have chapters and verses, he'd have told the original authors to put in chapters and verses. But I completely understand why mankind went about doing this. It makes it very easy to reference. I do it in the podcast all the time. I do it in the blog. It's easy for me to be like, okay, you know, turn to, you know, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 2, right? And it's, it's easy to help people understand what you're referencing. But there is a danger to it. And I think the good may outweigh the bad in this case, but we have to be aware of the bad and we have to be mindful of it. And the bad thing that comes from separating uh, the Bible into these chapters and verses is that we often take things out of context. I remember when I first went into you know my journey of would I eat clean, um, would I eat clean meat? Would I eat unclean meat? And whether we were allowed to do that or not. One of my friends quoted to me the verse about it's not what goes into your mouth that is unclean or that defiles you, but what comes out. And that's in the book of Matthew. And when you say that, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, sure. I can eat whatever I want to because it's not what goes in me that defiles me. It's what comes out. But when you go back and read the whole passage surrounding that, the context of the passage is that they were talking about washing their hands before eating something that was already established as clean. It was taken out of context. And the same thing happens for countless verses, things like slaves obey your master, things like wives submit to your husbands. People will say this one verse, but they don't say what comes directly after it. Like right after slaves obey your master, it says masters be good to your slaves for you have a master in heaven. And right after it says wives submit to your husband, it says husbands love your wives. And so, People can pick and choose a particular thing and make it fit whatever it is that they want to say. But what's more is that even in some cases, what they're picking, like if you pick this from this chapter, like for instance, the, the thing about slaves obey your master. If you don't go back into the Old Testament 
and see what it said about freeing slaves, for instance, or what it says about the treatment of the poor, what it says about the treatment of foreigners, et cetera, et cetera, and know that all of that has to apply as well, you start to take things really out of context because it all works together, which is interesting because it's not one book, but yet it functions as one book, which is a testament to God. But the overall point that I was trying to make is that it's very important that we read things in context. If someone gives you a verse, don't just read that verse. Read the verses surrounding it. Maybe read the whole passage because that will color how you take that verse. And on top of that, you want to put the verse in context to the text itself. As I said in the very beginning, the Bible was written by many people, too many people, during many times, in many languages. And so we can't just read it and process it with our 21st century brain, um, whether you're in America or another country, everything that we think is different. Our culture is different. And you have to take that into consideration. So you have to go back and put in the work to study the Israelite culture, to study the Greek culture or the Roman culture, the Assyrians, the Egyptians. You have to understand where they were who wrote this book? Who were they writing to? What was the situation when they were writing? And how does that affect the text that I'm reading? Because that changes how we read the word. And I think that that's a monumental flaw in how we are taught the Bible. We're not often told these things. We're just taught to pick and choose verses and that whatever we think they mean, that's what they mean. But scripture is not supposed to be done like that. It's line upon line, precept upon precept. And so that is, I guess, the main point that I wanted to get to in this episode is that the Bible is a miraculous collection. And um, we should be thankful that God gave it to us, that he preserved it, that he sent his Holy Spirit to touch each and every one of the authors of these books to give us this information. But we should also do our due diligence in studying. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge and we don't want to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. So keep these things in mind, ask questions, study, look, see how the Bible came together, know what it is that you're using, know how to use the weapon the tool right i call it a weapon because it's the sword right the word of god is the sword so know how you have to know how this is built and how it functions in order to be able to use it and that is you know it's just part of the puzzle it's part of the process so i hope this has found you well and that you know it's informative and helpful um, if you have questions, don't forget to check out the blog. I will put sources and links there, www.psalmstogod.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and I will see you guys next week. Bye.